ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Hey ladies, welcome back to the No Higher Calling podcast. It is such a delight to have Leah Bowden, also known as the Modern Miss Mason, with me on the podcast. Leah, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yes. Well, I just recently finished your book. It's pretty newly out. Hasn't been out too long, I don't believe. Um, yeah, it came out January 10th. So um, it's okay. flown by, but yeah, it's still, yes. still a, she's still a baby, really. <laughs> Ah, oh, well, it's a beautiful book. Um, just so rich. I love um, just everything behind it and, and so much more than even just home education, but motherhood and childhood and just wonder and beauty. Um, and it was so great. And one of the things I love about hosting a podcast is it gives me an opportunity to reach out to authors and to have a chat with them. Um, and then it's just great. a bonus that I get to record that and share that with all of my listeners. Um, but do you want to share a little bit more about who you are and kind of what it is that you do through the modern Miss Mason? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm Leah Bowden. I live in England. Uh, we live right in the middle of the country and uh, near if people, I mean, get people listening from all over the world, but, um, if they like the geography, I'm near mm -hmm. Stratford upon Avon where Shakespeare was born. So that gives a little yes, bit of context. What a wonderful place um, to live. Yeah, yeah, it's it's gorgeous. Um, so I have four children. I'm married to Dave. We have four children, and they are ranging from um, almost 21 down to 12. So I have three living at home, and uh, but two adult children. One who's doing studying for national exams right now. So I have one um, full time home educated child left after. 20 years mm -hmm. so it's kind of a, an unusual place to be at so yeah we've been home educating from <clears throat> um early on in I think my eldest as I, I talk about the story in the book but my eldest went to kind mm. of a preschool for one year and yes. that's when I realized I do not this is not for us this is not my journey this is not her journey mm -hmm. and uh, everything changed from there and um we haven't looked back since so we actually are a family my husband works in the in the school system with uh, he works for he puts Christian ethos into uh, secular schools. So he he has his okay. foot in that. And then I have yes. my life, obviously, as a family we do in home education. So we have a really holistic view of education mm -hmm. as a whole. Uh, my background, I used to work in schools. Um, and But, you know, my passion is for childhood, lifelong learning, a living education, however you weave that into your life. So obviously for us, mm -hmm. our expression has been full-time home education, but I do, I do believe many of um, the aspects of the philosophy can be brought into family life, no matter what your expression of education is. And, and that's what I wanted to bring out in the book as well. Yes. Well, I think you did a wonderful job of that um, because it, it, it does, it touches every aspect of life. We are a young homeschooling family. My oldest is in first grade, so we're just on the precipice. And I think right the beginning. Um, as, yes, and as a Christian family and a new homeschooling family, there's so many different 
things and ways and resources out there. Um, so really, I think through prayer, I've just been trying to ask the Lord, what do you want me to focus on for our home? And that's when I stumbled across Charlotte Mason, insert you in your book. I actually have a friend who lives in England who connected me with uh, your Instagram account and you know, the rest is history, finding your book and all of that. Um, but it just so resonated with our family values and the things that we are trying to implement um, in our home in, in our education, but also just in our family culture. Um, so I wanted to have you on the podcast really just to give an introduction to the Charlotte Mason way and the method and um, just kind of give us a, a, a little taste of just some of the richness that is there. Uh, so if you just want to maybe start with what kind of a description of Charlotte Mason and her work. Yeah, sure. I I mean it's it, it is a big can of worms, isn't it? Once you get in there and start, start how much can you cover is, in thirty minutes, one. right? Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So Charlotte Mason was a um, an educator here in Great Britain, mm-hmm. here in England. Uh, at the turn of the twentieth century was really when her work came to the forefront of of what was happening here in England, and she was pretty revolutionary in her time because she saw. Um, you know, childhood, um, children as people and not just kind of this machine that they had to go through, education being mm-hmm. this machine. And um, she saw really children in the school system here in England being taught to be seen and not heard, sit behind wooden desks, uh, fulfill the requirements. Mm-hmm. And then maybe if you were um, of a, a, a higher class you could have there was more funding for ha- further education governesses travel finishing school mm-hmm. all those kind of things whereas a high percentage of great britain in the turn of the 20th century there was so much um as there is still poverty and uh, the schooling was really a means to an end mm-hmm. so that they could join trades or um go down factory into the factories go down mines and she just saw this this kind of disparity between the same beautiful, wonderful human beings, but because of their resources or what was being uh, presented to them educationally, they had lower expectations mm-hmm. of them. And so she talked about how an education for all. Her whole work, um, kind of her motto was everything she did was for the children's sake um which is you know you can see that on Mm -hmm. so much of her work when you look at the archives and the letters and the people would make little trinkets and and have it printed on there she's got a a chair um a beautiful wooden chair that says for the children's sake and you can still see that in the army in in england and so Mm. her whole life was to kind of move and shake this in a different direction and so what she did was she began Mm -hmm. to I mean from a very very young age she was in teaching and she grew into this profession and grew in favor really and grew in her um, experience her own knowledge and education and she began to pioneer ideas around these principles of children come into the world whole and ready to contribute we get to draw that out Mm -hmm. of them who they are rather than spoon feed them what we think they should be and that's very much the heart of the philosophy and that everything is connected like education is this science of relationships so children get to absorb and connect with knowledge 
And then they get to have these amazing revelations about what fits together. And this reminds me of this. And this looks like, so she, she began to pioneer these ideas, Mm -hmm. this way of um, children being, um, being able to connect with nature, with art, with music, with great literature, with authors of the past and present. And it, people's ideas I mean some of the letters um Brittany that I've read in the archives are very emotional to read like I, I you can hear mothers writing to Charlotte Mason saying thank you this has changed everything and this is when one book was available now we've got so many resources around her ideas mm-hmm. so home education was published People yes. were, there's one letter that I read and one mother, it was a vicar's wife. She was reading it on repeat and it totally changed her world and changed her life. So, so really she was this revolutionary educator wow. who kind of was a mover and shaker in the educational world in, uh, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s. And the remnants mm-hmm. of that, really trickled into and were kind of resurrected late 70s early 80s by the American homeschooling movement um which is the whole of the conversation but that's really mm-hmm. why we've got what we've got today because they again pioneering home educators from the states discovered these ideas and said hang on this is amazing and we can bring this into the home uh, although okay. Charlotte Mason very much was working with school classrooms and she was working with governesses. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yes. you know, that is um, I'm just scratching a tiny bit at the surface there. But really, uh, I, I'm, you know, as you can hear, I'm very passionate about these ideas. But they were the beginnings was the beginnings yes. was something she observed, which is all great ideas. All great change comes from this, doesn't it? Something she observed that mm-hmm. she felt deserved better. And she wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, begin to see change and saw, and saw within her something that she could do. Um, and she never wanted her name to be remembered. She really did not. I mean, <laughs> be amazing to know what she thought of how we talk about her and how she's represented. But she said, <laughs> I, I don't want my name to be remembered. Yes. I want the work to be remembered. Uh, but we get both. You got both. Yes. Well, I love that. I love the the born person's idea. You know, I uh, I love school. I'm very academic. I'm very um, self-motivated. You give me a textbook, I can follow yeah. it and tick the boxes. When I had my first, you know, I, yeah. something about living motherhood changes things. And she was just a different personality type. Um, and it's been wonderful to see the unique differences, but it's also presented a challenge as the home educator, even just as mother. Um, and I knew she wasn't going to be one of the kids that just fit into the box. Um, so embracing that, um, has been such a joy and so many, I think of the Charlotte Mason ideals, implementing those into our home and watching her thrive has been such a blessing um, to me personally, and I mean, as you said, throughout the years now, uh, so many right. mothers can attest to that. Um, but I'm so thankful to have her voice from the past and then voices today like yours um, that are bringing this message in for a new generation of moms and educators and really trying to champion this. Um, 
So I wanted to ask you too, obviously this is a Christian podcast, so the majority of my listeners, I believe, are Christ followers. Um, so how does the Charlotte Mason education work well with yeah, faith-centered families? Yeah, I mean, families? amazingly well. Um, she, Charlotte Mason was um, a dedicated Anglican. She was actually, her mother and father, her father was a Quaker, her mother was a Catholic, mm-hmm. uh, but they died um, when she mm-hmm. was in her late teens and but she was in her early days fascinated by the Anglican faith and was drawn into that um the Anglican tradition the British Anglican tradition uh but she was obviously introduced to Christ at an early age and you can see everything is underpinned by her faith in Jesus and she talks so much about um the divine she talks about the Holy Spirit being our ultimate teacher so as a Christian coming to her work, mm-hmm. it feels like coming home. You kind of like, oh, finally someone's someone gets it. Someone really um, understands yes. that. You know, so we talk about children being born persons. We can that we you know we understand that God they are created in God's image, and they the Bible talks about children are a gift mm-hmm. to us. So we receive this gift, and then our responsibility then, if we think about that educationally, is to then um, open up this world to them that God has given them. And then you know the whole uh, her, the whole of her philosophy is underpinned by her Christian faith. So, um, but but the amazing thing about it is that. I believe it's not restricted to that. And so, um, you know, as a Christian, we read and see her heart and her life. And But as someone who feels an evangelistic pull, an evangelistic call to to be for people mm-hmm. to have this wide sense of hospitality and openness, if there are people happen to be listening who, who aren't followers of Christ, yes. I believe that they can see so much in this. And I know from mm-hmm. my work, many people use her philosophy and ideas mm-hmm. um, who aren't necessarily followers of Christ. But you know, the cool thing is that I just think it comes through, doesn't it? It comes through everything. And you have, mm-hmm. and which is so beautiful. It does. So yeah, her faith is very inspiring. She went through a lot of hardship lost her parents at a young age and even that story before that is interesting um and was pretty sick most of her life uh dealt with but but lived to an old age but dealt with Mm -hmm. ill health um but she just persevered with courage with tenacity and um i think what you when you read about her life you just recognize the love of jesus shining through her People talk about her face was radiant and they talk mm-hmm. about how she, how they she would make you feel when you were in the same room as her. So if that's who she was as a person, then as a writer, yes. as a communicator, you can't cut that mm-hmm. off. You know, you, you bring that into your work. So she she wrote a lot. She wrote poetry. She wrote devotionals. Um, I, I, I'm not sure how much you've read or know, Brittany, but she did this cool thing on a Sunday afternoon. In, in her house of education, she would gather the students around the fireplace and she would mm-hmm. share from the Gospels. And um, she would just, and it was the, the the writings, the writing down of that became something called Scale How Meditations. Mm-hmm. And goodness me, I mean, she would never have called herself a theologian, but her insight 
into the gospels is just amazing and and you can yes. that has thankfully people have published these these oh, wow. writings so you see that coming through yes. but it never to me when you see mm-hmm. uh, i've never felt it and i talk to people who have different beliefs and or none and they have never seen that as a barrier to them mm-hmm. if we can present it and that's a big part of what i wanted to do with a yes. book was say hey this mm-hmm. is what i believe this is absolutely central to my life this is mm-hmm. what charlotte's faith looked like but hey let me open this door to you and just come on in and have a look come and see come and sit with it and uh, so yeah mm-hmm. so it's it's all there and it's beautiful oh that is so neat you know something that i found so interesting too is that she was not a mother herself i know and yet she had so much insight i mean you would you would never think that from just the level of understanding she has of motherhood and children and education and all of this, um, which I just felt like was a testament to obviously the Lord giving her this wisdom. It's true. And being able to really pioneer in this way. Yeah, it's a good point because I think um, I've seen, you know, I've seen people say things like she wasn't even a mother or she was not married. How would she know? Mm -hmm. And I I don't know if that's a great attitude to have. I mean, think it's fine. Walk away. Yes. I think that she speaks so much of uh, the habit of observation and her insight Mm -hmm. into motherhood and family life comes from her habit of observation and she had around her a community mm-hmm. a company of women of mothers who she leant upon relied on lived life with and she observed yes. the responses of the children of, of when mother was healthy in mind and body and soul she saw what was going mm-hmm. on there so I think she writes about this in her I think it maybe is her third book, School Education. And maybe I can't remember all the order sometimes of all the all the parts that are in there. But it's not as if she put mm-hmm. that into her work immediately. It, you almost feel like she did a little bit of a journey and then said, um, hey, mums, why, why not think about doing for yourself what you do for your children? I think it would work out pretty well because of what I've seen. So even like getting yourself out into nature, reading for yourself, having just, you know, she talks about having a nap Mm -hmm. without the children, which I think is hilarious. Like she's obviously can see these Victorian and, you know, families, um, you know, all the kids in bed with mom and she's like, just have a nap without the kids. Yes. Um, I love that. And she talks about, (laughs) you know, investing, she doesn't use this language, but this idea of, do these mm-hmm. things for yourself and your houses will be happier. And, and I mean, that's what people mm-hmm. are saying today, aren't they? Um, so, yes. yeah, I think she had great insight, but she never overstepped her mark, in my opinion. I think it's mm-hmm. just right what she did. Yes. When I loved that you drew that out so well in your book too, because as a mom, I mean, I have four kids, six and under, uh, so I'm living those very busy little years, but I loved how you brought out that emphasis on the refreshment of the mother um, outside of the duties of home and education and how we really need to invest in ourselves. I love to read. Um, So I think you talked about uh, replenishing the soul with reading the the four different Ds that you had. I loved that. And I've implemented that now into my reading routine. Um, But I loved that, um, you know, just providing a deeper well for myself to give out of. That's right. By investing that in 
into my own heart. Yeah, and and I think that I mean that you know that <clears throat> that principle, the different kinds of books and having them going at the same time, um, came from. Mm-hmm an idea from an article that was uh, in the parents review which was a magazine that went out to people who who used her ideas and and this idea came from mm-hmm. uh, a, a busy mother somebody who had lots of children lots of responsibilities lots going on and somebody said how do you find time to read so much how do you do it and they mm-hmm. said well, I just have various books for various needs on the go at the the whole time. One that's really hard, one that's like a novel and enjoyable, you know, one that's devotional or whatever it is. Yes. And I just dip into them when I can. And I, it's like, that's so simple. We we overthink everything, don't we? <laughs> we really overcomplicate yes. <laughs> life. And I, and I remember, I remember, Brittany, I remember having, I think I had four kids, eight and under. So a little bit more of a space out for me. Mm -hmm. But I remember those days and I remember, you know, sitting, trying to wake up earlier, a little bit earlier than the baby or whatever, Mm -hmm. and sat (laughs) reading my Bible first thing in the morning and slowly a baby would be on me and then a toddler would be on my feet. Mm -hmm. I'd just continue reading. (laughs) Just scoop them up, continue. And and I think if you can start... If you can start that frame of mind from that age where it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be perfect to get that time, you know, I think sometimes have a poetry book out in the kitchen and have it open and you can be stirring the soup Mm -hmm. and there's all, all crazy going on on the floor. There's like a dog there and toddlers like playing with the dog food. But you can just read a couple of verses from Mary Oliver while you're stirring the soup. And I love that. Yes. And I think <laughs> I would love young mums to grasp that really early. Like you can, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be perfect to get this input. Yes. Well, and I'm finding if I wait for the perfect, it will never come. It never comes. And believe me, as someone who is quickly approaching the age of 50 with, you know, a couple of years, but with you know a couple of decades under my belt of of mothering, I still have to fight that. I still have to fight the idea mm-hmm. of everything has to be in order and perfect for me to be able to then move forward with something creative or um, you know to have this time. But I I have to remind myself and throw that off all the time. Um, just just do it. And I think there's something. Mm-hmm. I, I know I've come so far, so far over the past decade and a half of when I probably first started challenge myself on that but um you do have to remind yourself like it doesn't have to be this perfect setting of a candle lit and a perfect cup of coffee and mm-hmm. everyone's asleep in the house I mean when does that happen it just doesn't <laughs> it's so rare <laughs> not so far for me <laughs> it, it's very rare but oh. you happen to see it on Instagram <laughs> That's the one yes, time. right? <laughs> it's the one time somebody photographs it and then you think, oh, they must get that every day. <laughs> it's not true. What you don't see is the 360, you know, panoramic Absolutely. view of everything that's not yeah. in the screen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, this has been such a good look at really the foundation, the ideals, who Charlotte Mason was. So let's make it a little practical. So what does it actually look like to implement Charlotte Mason into your everyday family life, home education? Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, there's no point having all this theory and without having the practice because the reality is we, we get up with our kids every day and this is what it looks like. So so really what it looks like is mm-hmm. 
you, I mean, you can you can purchase curriculums that I call Charlotte Mason curriculums. But anybody who knows my work and reads my book, you know that my approach is I, I'm not saying no to that. I think some scaffolding, some uh, scaffolding at the beginning can be very helpful as you're as you're finding your way. And I also realize as a, as a writer, I very much bring my personality into this. So I'm not very much of a a recipe follower or a rule follower, you know, and mm. I, I keep safe. I keep everyone <laughs> safe. But I like to find my own path and I like to figure it out. I like to deeply yeah. learn. And then, you know, and that's what I've done with, with the Charlotte Mason philosophy. So mm. what it is, is really looking at some of the basic foundations are what is the what is it you want to study with your children? You know, what are the subjects? Um, I mean, I, you know, we can't be afraid of the word curriculum. It basically means the subjects you choose to study. So what is it you want to uh, mm -hmm. bring to the table and how are you going to do that? So they're the things that really will tie your practical days together. So you might say, well, of course, we're going to do some maths. We're going to do some language arts. I want to make sure we're reading a, a story all the time. Um, we want some geography in there. And depending on the age of the children, we'll, it'll look different. But once you've decided in this mm -hmm. season with this age of children, this is what I want to bring to the table, then it's looking at what or how or with what you're going to do that. And living books and living resources is very much key to the Charlotte Mason philosophy, and then the connected thing, which we I don't know if we'll have a chance to go into in depth, I've got a whole chapter on that, is then the methods attached to that. So you've got things like narration, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the dictation, various practices. But with young children, really what mm -hmm. you're looking at is, okay, what books are we going to use? How much time are we going to get outside? Mm -hmm. And so a typical day, I'll, I'll go back, I'll, I'll do a little time machine here. I'll go back to when my children were a lot younger and I'll try and give you an idea of what a day looked like. So I very much found the a natural gathering around breakfast time. Uh, before I knew it was called something, mm -hmm. before before we had things like morning time, morning basket, we we just gathered. And actually, yes. I I used to call it Bible briefing and breakfast because I found that my children mm. liked to know what was going to happen that day or even the, in the evening. Yes, we'd always start the day with the Bible and prayer. We'd have some worship music on, then some classical music on. And we'd have breakfast together. So that natural gathering, um, and in fact, to this day, so you know, it's one of the things that even if we have a long break or different things are going on, we we kind of navigate mm -hmm. back to it's like a magnetic pull back to that morning gathering. And it's yes. just a great way to start. And you'll find many home educators do that, and especially Charlotte Mason educators, because Charlotte Mason mm -hmm. emphasize short lessons. So you're not spending a whole morning on maths or a whole afternoon on one subject. She talked about short lessons, paying attention, and then moving on. So what you might find is <clears throat> we would have our Bible reading and prayer. And then depending on the age of the children, we'd talk about that. And then there would uh, often, most, most days there would be a poem. I would read a poem. And then I would read a fable or something, Aesop's fable, something like that. Mm -hmm. And then I would read from our read aloud. That was our family read aloud. So something that I was reading with them all together. Yeah. And some kids needed some manipulative 
you know, something to hold while this was going on. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of kept that to a minimum depending on the age of the children, but just to help them kind of yes. you know, pay attention. And, and that would be going on. Other things that I would do in the morning, I, if there was something, um, uh, whatever season we were in, I would bring something from the garden inside, just have it in the middle of the table for the children to look at. So if now I'm looking out of my window and I can see hawthorn blossom. So I probably would have cut a piece of that, mm-hmm. popped it in a milk bottle, just put it on the table, just something for them to look at. They could see this is in season. I might yes. have made a little sign saying hawthorn blossom. And it's just these tiny little weaving these things into the day. And so that would be our morning. And then we mm-hmm. would probably go off and do brush teeth, chores, you know do something get them moving because they've been sat down for a while and then we would go into more of a kind of subject specific stuff so this would either be one-on-one with certain children or I do this in in little groups again all depending on the age of your children and so then Mm -hmm. you might be reading a history book or you might be looking at a map book for geography and then reading a story about somebody who lives in China. And so you've got this more subject specific things going on and that would happen then. Then that would probably lead to lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And then the afternoons are very commonly given to nature walks, um, handcrafts, making something, keeping them busy with their hands. So that would really be the flow of the day. And that was very fam- mm-hmm. a familiar pattern to our to our family for many, many years. And then you start to get kids who are studying for exams or then they leave home. And then you yeah. you kind of, you know, everything starts to change. But I I I, I yes. you know, recommend um I recommend reviewing your rhythms and routines every six weeks. Because I think sometimes mm-hmm. again with this perfectionist mindset, you have this grand plan. And then we realize, oh, we have real children <laughs> and a real life. And my grand plan doesn't yes. always fit their grand lives. And so what I, I would definitely, mm-hmm. I, I tend to plan for a six-week block and then I review, <clears throat> okay, has this worked? Uh, what mm-hmm. can we do better? Has this, and sometimes it's great and it's like, yeah, we're winning here. Let's let's replicate this for the next six, six, six weeks. Um, yes. Sometimes it's kind of, okay, we need to shift all this out. This book's not working. Children are really not enjoying this artist or whatever it is. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, in some seasons, if the weather is ridiculous, uh, I mean, we don't tend to get many extremes here in England, but, you know, you don't get outside Mm -hmm. as much. Whereas now I'm like, we are outside. Let's get out every day in May in England. So, yeah, I mean, yes. I hope that's a little, It's it's uh, that's kind of a glimpse yes. into what the day may look like. But it's very, very rich, very full of moving around mm-hmm. in different subjects and different interests. And, um, yeah, and, and as my children have grown older, there is more of an emphasis on their independent study. So I, I train them, teach mm-hmm. them from a very young age to be able to do a few things on their own without my help. And and then that expands yeah. and, and gets longer as they get older. Um, unless, of course, you have a child who struggles to focus if they've got ADHD, ADD, and then you just keep stay alongside them. So, you know, it's different mm-hmm. for every child and every family, but that's kind of a little idea of what it yeah. might look like. Well, you use the word rich to describe it, and I do think it is so rich. I have a very academic background. Um, I was a, I went to college to be an educator, um, but it was a, a very textbook yeah, type mine too. academia. Yeah. Um, so really, I think Sally Clarkson was my first introduction um, to 
just the beauty of simplicity outside books, things that we think, uh, you know, oh, I'm going to put that on the back burner because we just have to push, 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 push through the curriculum or things like that. Um, but I, I love the mind shift that I am having and that's been in our home and that's been in our education. And I know just through my podcast and things, people have been able to see that in our home um, and ask questions. And so that really was my heart and getting you on the podcast um, because I feel like the direction that we're headed is where you have paved a way for. Um, And it's just, it's been so rewarding in our family to see the beauty that has come um, from, from seeing children in this way, to seeing education um, is not just a, a nine to three thing, but as, as a lifestyle and trying to create that uh, love for learning in, in their hearts. So I, I loved all of that. Well, do you want to share a little bit here at the end? If you want to know more about Charlotte Mason Method, um, I know you, obviously your book, we mentioned that. I'll be sure to link that in the comments. Um, but I don't know if you want to share a little bit about that or some of the other things that you have available as resources. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I keep it quite simple over here. But basically, leahbowden.com or modernmismason.com, they both go to all roads lead to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find everything on there. <laughs> all roads lead to you. <laughs> Hopefully not all roads, but you know what I mean. And those two, those two <laughs> web domains do anyway. Um, and bottom is Mason on Instagram. Yes. So there's, there's tons of stuff on there. Um, but I do a, a conference mm-hmm. every summer that's coming up on the 1st of July. And you can, uh, that's digital and in person. So go and have a look at that. Um, I have something called The Collective, which is basically everything I do under one roof. It's a membership. Um, uh, it's It's cheapest chips as I like to say over here as England I keep it really really low price so that people can really uh, you know stick in there and invest that it's like a monthly thing um and on there I do workshops as a book club I do a writing room um called the Bronte room so we do a co-working space every month um and I do uh group coaching so everything I do now is comes under the collective um and I feel like I do oh coaching and I do coaching as well so conference the collective mm-hmm. and coaching that's easy to remember and I love alliteration so uh, yeah so everything's on the website yes. <laughs> please go over there and then really Good. my whole heart and and kind of my ethos behind what I teach and do is is in the book um so mm-hmm. yeah hopefully people will pick that up yes yeah, so I could not recommend the book more um if you have not picked that up already do so because you will be encouraged and you're enriched and the different ideals that you present in your book. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Thank you for having me. It's been great. I hope that the No Higher Calling podcast has been a blessing to you. If so, please subscribe, share with your friends, and engage with me on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can also subscribe to receive the No Higher Calling encouragement email on my website, which is www.nohighercalling.org. This includes podcast notes, what I'm reading, spiritual encouragement, a glimpse into my home, and some of my favorite products and resources. You can also enjoy more content on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel. I pray that this podcast will encourage you to fall more in love with Jesus and to be the Christian woman he's called you to be. Thanks for listening.